1: Welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. I am not DK. I am Eddie Provident filling in for DK as he travels back from New York. I uh, had a late night, had an uh, early, late flight, however you want to look at it. But we are brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market where everything is served up hot and fresh. Ramon, how do you feel about breakfast burritos?
2: Love them. Honestly, number one go-to item uh, yep. almost every morning.
1: Me and you both, man. I, I golf a lot, and so I'm, whenever I'm hitting the early tee time, I like to stop at Gecko and get myself the uh, the All American Breakfast Burrito. That's the uh, that's the that's the move before the before the tee time starts.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna make you treat me to that. If that's a treat, I'm making. Amen, you treat me to man, hey man. Anytime you're in Pittsburgh, buddy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ramon. So we had a couple of days off, but
1: uh, you know that that show with before we get into anything, man. That show with Kev, man. You you guys, uh, that was a great interview, man. It was a great conversation. I don't even know if I'd call it an interview. It's just a great conversation between you guys.
2: I appreciate it, man. I was, you know, I, I told you guys, like, if I got Kev on one, I had a little anxiety about it. I will say that. But in the same sense, I wanted to do an, an interview slash conversation with Kev that wasn't an interview. I just wanted to have a conversation with him and, yep. you know, talk. And I wanted Kev to give some of his personality. I was trying to treat him the way I like people to treat me when we talk, like, let me see who you are. What's the emotions? Even if they're high, even if they're low, let me see who the heck you are. And that's, I knew who Calf was, but I wanted to give a piece of that to our listeners, our viewers to hear him and why and how he did the job. Like I saw somebody say in the comments, I was wrong. You know, he was like, you have one or two bad years and you blame it on management. They don't care about it. They don't want this. You guys are not holding up your end of the deal as far as having a good team. And he was like, after listening, he took a different perspective on what it took to get the job done as GM right. for the Steelers. And I, that's what I was looking for.
1: And that that's what I think that, you know, when you get a chance to sit down and listen to a guy like Kevin and, and you know, kind of a little bit more loose you know those mm-hmm. are the kind of things i think people that aren't on that side you know we get we get to see a little better uh, perspective on that oh. um and, and you know speaking of you playing offensive line for the steelers moan uh i wanted to talk to you today about that offensive line swagger because everybody <sighs> knows everybody that watched those steelers you know when you were on them uh when it was you and marquise and dave and, and al you guys had that like you, you had like that air about you, you know, that like swagger about <laughs> you guys where like anyone messed with you guys, you went after them and and nobody, it wasn't often that people messed with you guys, you know, you, you guys yeah. just were road graders and and you knew it and you played like you knew it. And so my question to you, especially with this new offensive line where we're probably going to have five guys on the Steelers that aren't, they've that never really played together. My right. question to you is one, how long does it take to get to that point? And two, um, when was the moment for you guys or like when was the time where it clicked? It, you know, we're better than we're better than most and, and no one's yeah. going to push us around.
2: Man, it was. So what What it takes to get to that point first. I'll be re- real with you. Just reflecting back back on it now. A lot of mm-hmm. beatdowns, some yeah. losses, some criticisms, some man. who's the next replacement. All of those conversations, I feel like somewhat matter to gaining that swagger especially at that position like a wide receiver can come out and just pop out on the scene poof boom they're hot they got that swagger quarterback can do the same thing we've seen running backs come to the league like Najee Najee got that swagger about him after one year Um, but as far as offensive line like nobody pays attention to Mm -hmm. you know unless there's something bad going on so in all of that bad you get hardened you become more professional you become more technical if the group can stay together, the group becomes more of one. Like you become one better. And so you ask, how do you get to it? Like A lot of beatdowns, a lot of hard days, a lot of unappreciated like games that you're like, man, we killed it. Mm-hmm. And guess what stat shows? Nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when that piles on and then you get to a point of, hey, we're pretty damn good. And then you start to think it, and then you start showing it in practice. Like, that's where it started to take over for us, where we started doing stuff in practice where, hey, don't mess with us. Or Coach T would acknowledge, like, those guys, like, ooh, y'all are starting to come together. And I think that's the way you really want to build it also is, man, from within, and it starts at practice, and then it goes into camp, and then games, and you become that unit where don't mess with them. A little bit of age helps also. Yeah. You know, it really does because that's what respect factor is. Also, if you can prove that you've got 40 plus starts or 50 starts, 80, 100 starts under your belt. Well, number one, I know you're a player, you're a pro in this league, and you have the respect factor of your team to where you stay in those moments also. And and then I'll be real, with you, that swagger kind of went into our play a little bit. If you look at the 2009, to probably about 2012, like all of us was just wearing like standard, like uniform gear. And then the next thing you know, guys started doubling up socks. And then from there, it was, well, I want more black showing and then instead of white. So we were getting socks and cutting them up. like. So it became like a full embodiment. Like, look at, like, 09 to, like, 2012. And then, look, 13 all the way up to, like, 19. You'll see the difference in the sock. You'll see the difference in the gloves. You'll see the – it really – like, even Alejandro. And even Dave sometimes would, like, have, like, the swagger of, like, a wide receiver to where it's like – Oh, y'all came to play. And and you say, when did it it switch? I think around 13, 14. Okay. Is when we really became together. At that point, I was five, six years in. Marquise was five in. Gil was four in. Most of the guys were on their second deal. So we had the opportunity, man, to just grow together. Like, And that's what I'm hoping is going to happen with this group that's coming through right now. Like, truthfully, I think they'll be solid. But in order for them to get to that point, it's probably going to be a bunch of just not non-appreciated days of getting beat down or getting criticized. They kind of went through it a little bit last year, but now you got more components that's added into it with James Daniel and, and stuff like that. It, it might take a year just to mm. get to that point. If they get to it quicker than we did, Lord bless them, because they got a lot of talent.
1: Uh, you said around that 13 time, it was like when, when you think it, it- clicked for you guys, was there a particular practice or a particular game that you could remember where, you know, you, it just kind of like the the switch flipped or, or was it just kind I, of a progression?
2: I think it was a progression more than anything because it was the emergence of Le'Veon. It was the yeah. emergence of, I think, the Bugatti boys at that time too. <laughs> and you remember that whole era oh, just, yeah. oh yeah. we were going to commit to running the friggin' ball from Mr. Rooney on down. And that was dependent on us. So a lot of people crumble in those type of, you know what I'm saying? They, they tell you where you got to be. Like, we need y'all. We took it, well, you got the right group. Everybody was, that's one thing I'll say about a group. Everybody was strong-minded. Like, there was no weakness mentally in that group. So that challenge of, y'all, we got one of the best. Like, Coach T was harping on us about having one of the best running backs in the world, and we didn't know it at the time, but we knew that he had that, that talent of, Getting us over the edge, like 13, 14 is when it really start to escalate. Like, if we're going to be something, y'all got to lead us up front because we know what seven can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of push gave us a little bit more confidence also.
1: Yeah. See, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Like, being a lifelong Pittsburgher, watching the Steelers was always about the defense. It was yeah. always about the defense. You know, and that that's what this town was built on. But watching you guys for that, like, you know, six year period, it was It was a different kind of fun because it was about the offense and it was about, you know, just the offensive line pounding teams Mm -hmm. in the submission and, you know, Lev just just demoralizing teams and Ben going off with A.B. It was a different type of fun watching you guys play, you know,
2: it was man. And and specifically, it was in the 13 going into 14 for sure. I I ended up recently like Le'Veon had 1300 yards rushing that year. And I think that just set us on fire like, yeah, we, you know, that it was the first year he ended up getting a thousand yards. We ended up getting him a big uh, magnum bottle of champagne as a (laughs) congratulation, you know, because I think us gifting him that was like, yeah, we've arrived, too. Mm -hmm. We got one of the best backs in the world and we finna ride this out until we and until we can't anymore. And we did
1: yeah well Mo let's take a quick break when we come back I want to talk to you about rookie minicamp because we got that coming up uh this weekend and I just want to talk to you about what that looks like and uh you know what what these guys should be expecting coming in this weekend all right Mm -hmm, right, we'll take a quick break we'll be right back after this All right, welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. I'm Eddie Provident with Moan. Moan, you know we we were talking about uh, rookie camp, and you know there's this is a pretty, in my in my opinion, a pretty impressive uh, rookie crop that the Steelers got coming in. Even in some of the undrafted free agents that you know we've seen them uh, that bring in. What what are these young guys going? What are they? What should they expect going into the? into camp this week uh this weekend friday saturday and um what was it what was your mini what was your rookie camp like and like what you know what's good what goes on for that and how important is it for these guys
2: what's crazy i didn't actually have a rookie mini camp like we stayed after like a week after the vets were gone just to continually work out mm-hmm. and get to the point to where you know we understood what was going to be necessary before we came back in 2009 we didn't have one i laughed i was like i was telling somebody we didn't I don't remember the 09 class having a rookie mini camp, like mm-hmm. all by itself. Um, we, we had mini camp with the vets. That's what okay. we did. Like we got thrown in the fire. But nowadays, what they can expect is this they bring them in earlier so they can get acclimated to seeing the building, being a pro, understanding that it is a job and you're competing. I think most guys that are going into this now will have that aha moment of, oh, stuff is getting real. You know, mm-hmm. and I think centrally your mind goes to a point to where you're like, all right, whatever it takes, whoever I have to watch and do, I'm going to watch them and become a better pro. Some get kind of shell-shocked. You start doing stuff against, uh, as far as the practice setting, against some of your older, uh, against some of your, your 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 draft class that you hadn't done before. You got to figure out how to work. What's the speed tempo? How fast you're going to go? And then it goes to, well, you have no classes to go to anymore. So anytime you're off the field, you either need to be watching film or you're in the meetings. It's one or the other. The three most important places you can be on the field, in the meetings, or in the film room watching film downstairs. At least that's the way Pittsburgh's was. Like Mm -hmm. weight room, very important. Learn how to lift like a pro because it is a long season and your development of how your body sustains now 17 games is important. Be on the practice field. Can't make the club in the tub. You know that Mm -hmm. motto right there. Always be available for practice if you're there. And then the other one is just simply film, meetings. Yep. It means a lot. Can you take now as a pro what we tell you in this meeting room and take it out to the practice field and execute it? Because now there are no mulligans anymore. Right. Like this is the deba- like you, what you do is depending on my chat. What I do for you is depending on your check, like those types of things get established early. Coaches kind of push that to players a little bit like it ain't about you no more and just your college. This is about your livelihood and what you're going to be able to do to stay in this league because it is hard.
1: Yeah, Moan, explain to listeners how important is, you talked about film, how important is that and how underrated to maybe the fans is the film study? Because you know, I, I coach high school football and our head coach is a film nerd. Uh, yeah. Coach Rod Steele, that's all he does is, is preach film. Uh, how important on the pro level is it to actually be, be studying like that? Because I feel like everyone thinks football is a physical sport and they kind of forget the side of you. You have to know your opponent inside and out.
2: Oh, no doubt about it. Like the thing is like the football football at that point is pretty much easy by the time you get to the level. Like, is there an adjustment period? Yes, it is. But the separate is how much can you know and when to do things like stepping too far, like recognizing that you're stepping too far. Like I would tell all the young guys this, when it came down to this time of the year, when I say watch film, I would tell them, Hey, don't start. Don't look at any game film. Don't look at none of it. Absolutely zero. Look at your practice reps. I said, because if you learn how to study the guys that you're practicing against every day, because there are no games out to be played. There's no spring game. There's no preseason game. There's nothing Mm -hmm. but you versus your guy. I was like, the better you learn who you're going against, whether it's a defensive lineman, a wide receiver, a running back, whatever you have to learn against them to compete in camp is going to better help you throughout the season. Because the season is broken down to the physical aspect of it is fine. But you know how I know as far as coaching goes, Eddie, because you do Mm-hmm. It's a copycat lead. Right. If you have a deficiency, somebody else is going to find it. If they have a d- if deficiency, you better figure that out, too, because when it comes to just playing ball and it catching, if you drop it, cool, that's a fixable thing. But mm-hmm. when it comes to getting outsmarted or not being right. smart enough right. when it comes to play-by-play stuff, if you don't see that guy twitching his leg or he's leaning inside when he's about to slant inside... That's a problem because you can't notify a problem to actually shut it down. And the league is made up of winning and losing games is made up about five or six plays a game. Yeah. And that's the separator as far as keeping you in the league. Can you not be one of those five or six plays that determines a loss? That's your evaluation for this time of the year as far as film goes.
1: Going back to the rookies, how apparent in training camp was it for you? Going against some of these rookies, oh, uh, right. how obvious was it? Like that they were they were in film study, they were studying things, they were taking all this serious, or versus like the guys that maybe slacked off a little bit. How how obvious was the difference?
2: I'll be honest, for a rookie, it ain't much they can do against a veteran. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, that, yes. and that sounds like disheartening, but it be times where they think they got an edge on something. I'll point out, like, look at your feet, your feet. What are you about to do right here? Like, why do you keep, and I would tell them like, and the thing about them is such a learning curve too, Eddie, to where, and it's a good thing to do, but they'd be talking to one another. I'm like, all right, hey, pounce, uh, uh, pounce Dave. They're about to do a stunt right here. Watch them. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- it's yeah, so yeah. obvious in there. Like the the, the the epitome of young and dumb, you know? <laughs> like right, you can't, right. as much as I'm telling them to study is so that they can learn how to hide those things. I would get to the line of scrimmage, especially the young defensive linemen. I always say that bulls and china shops, anyway. Offensive linemen are usually the smartest guys on the field, aside from the quarterback, but that's my personal opinion. I would agree but with that. They're always talking to one another. You got this. No, no, you got this. Like they're pointing to where they're going. I'm like these idiots. You know? So it's, it's not a whole lot they can do because my knowledge and our knowledge of veterans is just so much more than what they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they can be good athletically. Where a, a rookie can get you is their speed and tempo, period. That's that's probably the biggest asset that they're going to have to do. Shoulders are going to go balls to the wall when it comes down to each and every play. And that's the one thing that all rookies I've seen that are, that stick around, that's the one thing that they do It's go 100 miles per hour because that's all they really have.
1: Yeah, that's some good stuff, man. We'll take one more break. When we come back, we'll get to our A moment. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show. I'm Eddie Provident with Moan. Moan, we got our Hey Moan question today. It is from Douglas Foley, the se- or Douglas Coley the second. my fault. Uh, and Douglas asks, uh, Hey Moan, what are the qualifications the team looks for to be named a captain? And now that Ben is gone, who leads the offense as the team captain on that side of the
2: ball? That's pretty solid. Uh, qualifications. First things first, respect.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Respect. Uh, secondary, secondly, it's your work on the field. You know, we had young guys before, like a guy like Robert Golden, you know, became a special teams captain. Very mm-hmm. young. Hey, hey, Rob G was younger than me and he was a special teams captain. It's because his, his respect of his teammates, number one, like he would talk to everybody. Not like he's politicking or anything, but he talked to everybody. But then Rob G was just always showing up on camera, like always on film. Rob is around to play. Rob doing his and vocally, also the like knowing what you're doing, those are the things that that that, that really help accelerate you becoming a captain somewhere. And like in, in certain situations too, you can't have that many, so you got to find the guys that you know people are going to listen to and command that type of respect when you're on those units, or it's the offensive unit or defensive unit for a guy like Cam or Ben or something like that. Pounce, um, but. That's those are the criteria I feel like. Respecting your teammates, working on the field, and being able to to be a guy that know what you're doing mm-hmm. and show that. Um So offensively, captains for this this offense, man, I, I'd say it it's gonna go to it's quarterback hard it's if it's mixed. Yeah, it's, it's such super a young team. Young.
1: I mean, if, if Mason was the heir apparent and we knew for sure he was going to be the guy, I think he'd, yeah. be the, he'd, the, he'd be the pick since he's been here a while. But, I mean, the most tenured guy on offense is Deontay Johnson, and he's going through some contract stuff right now. And, he is. You know, like, I don't see Claypool as a, uh, as a leader yet. I, I think, you know, if he gets Not his head captain. right, he could be. Yeah, But, I mean, that's later on down the line. So, it's it inter- would have to be Mitch. I, I don't really know who else it could be.
2: It really isn't nobody else but Mitch. You know, if if took core for which is not, you know, an issue to me, if he talked more, you know, was right, more vocal, right. I could see him being a guy, but he's a lead by by action type of guy. From what my understanding, mm-hmm. the one guy in particular, he's a newbie but I know you've guys directly talked to him I know you say he has this presence about him and I'm going James Daniels
1: yeah it's another dude I think could be it I mean you just listen to him in the uh in the press conferences and when he's interviewed and he just he has that like that maturity about him that yeah. you know that he could come he can step right in and command that respect that you talked about and I I can see that in him as well for sure
2: yeah so it, I I can see him I can see Mitch I don't put any of the wide receivers. Now it'll be my luck. I say that, and it'll be a wide receiver <laughs> as a team captain. Running backs too young. Benny, Smith, Benny Snell. I, I I like him as a person, mm. but I don't know if he's a a um. I don't I don't know if he's a captain type of guy right now, considering he's not the starter. You know, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where I would go. A guy that fits the mold to me, James Daniels, Mr. Trubisky. Yeah. Like, it's really young on offense, man. And I hope for the life of just Still Her Nation that this group grows up and become one. I would throw a guy like Pat Fryer out there. But he's young as hell, too. So what do you... It's... I, think, I can go back and be a captain like Eddie if that's what you need me to be. Hey man, <laughs>
1: I wouldn't mind seeing you for one more, at least one more game, man. <laughs> yeah. I, another dude I, I want to give a shout out to because I mean, just the way he carries himself is Najee Harris. Because and again, he's he's super young. But yep. But he's just that guy that it seems like everybody on the team likes him. Everybody on the team rallies around him. He's funny. He's great with the media. Yeah. I mean, he he's a he he's had so many hilarious quotes just in his rookie season. <laughs> um and, and so I you know, I know that, that, you know, being funny isn't, you know, necessarily a captain trait, but you see that love that his teammates have for him and that respect. And and I think, you know, I don't think that he's quite there yet because of how young he is. Mm-hmm. Same thing with what you said about Mooth. But I do think Najee has a little bit of that in him to where, you know, I think he could be the face of the franchise or be a captain, you know, uh, down the line.
2: No but, doubt, I'd only knock on him if he plays friggin running back man, and I'm hoping yeah. he's able to preserve himself long enough to to get to that status point, you know of being a captain, a guy that that leads this team because the good thing about them they all have the ability to grow up together, and I think there's value in that with mm-hmm. youth. you know it's a matter of health, production, and just if they can stay together, Eddie.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Uh that about wraps things up. I got one more. I got my own haymon for you before we get out of here. Uh going into the weekend, what are you sipping on this week? This this weekend?
2: I think I'm going to open up this Eagle Rare 17. Okay.
1: Okay. You sent me the picture of it's it on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I'm going to see
2: that on my pappy's 20.
1: Okay, I think I'm going my old faithful this week and I think I'm going to do some uh Four Roses single barrel. That's that's my go I to. That, love that. that's my go-to, man. That's my go-to.
2: Uh, uh, you so. know what? I've been uh that old Elk bourbon. Okay. okay. I love it. I will not front. It's been good. That and uh I think it's guidance. It's been really good okay. too.
1: We might I'll have to off. do a Ramon Foster After Hours sometime and uh, talk about the bourbons I'm and the uh, and the cigars and everything, man.
2: <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, you see me light up like a light bulb. Up oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Hey, Ramon, it's been fun. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah. tomorrow, DK will be back. Uh, he will Ooh. be well rested and ready to go. <laughs> uh, for Ramon Foster, I'm Eddie Providen for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you tomorrow.